Jesus taught us this principle, you gain by trading. Nobody starts out where they want to start. The only place that you start out on top is when you're digging a hole. So you don't start out in the place. I know you're gifted, but you don't start out. And listen, and even when you start doing what you're called to do, you generally don't get paid for it straight up. You just don't. You don't get paid. I mean, when I first started in ministry and I go to places, you know, they could barely give me gas money. But, they, and, and, you know, I thought that they were teasing. They said, well, what we have to give you is not much, but it comes from our heart. <laughs> and it was $25. I'm like, you know, I can, I, can I get an oil change with this and, 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 a, and, and get my... Put gas in my car. And the first three years that I was in ministry, every dime in honorarium that was given to me, I gave it back. Because I wasn't drawn into ministry by money. I was following a call. You know you got a call when you give money back just to be able to do what God called you to do. And there were places that I went during that three-year period that paid me thousands of dollars. And I gave every dime back. I was sowing seed for where I was going. I was sowing seed. You've you got to find your call. You've got to find your gift. Find that knowledge area, that skill, that interest in your life and develop it. And the passion will come. The passion will come. Just get faithful to something. Get faithful to something and get good at it and watch God open the door to something that will be great in your life. Now, I know that's not the average kind of advice, but take it from somebody who's walked the journey because very few people get to start out in the area of their passion and get paid for it doing the stuff that they really want to and like to do. So you have to master something that you don't necessarily like to do. In other words, you have to do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. But it is in being faithful in the thing that you don't particularly care for where you will be noticed. And you will find that this thing is relevant. It is relevant because if you got a talent and you never learn to organize your life, then you'll have a... You'll have your talent, and when you get out on a big thing, then you won't know how to handle yourself. You won't know how to handle the money, and it'll teach you so many things. So stop trying to, uh, to just struggle to figure out what you're supposed to be doing, and just, just relax. Trust God, and understand the principle of his word, Psalm 37 and 23. In the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives, in every detail of their lives. The King James Version says, the Lord, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delighteth in his way. But the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail, every detail of their lives. Now, you know, you, you notice, you, you see these, these two bottles of water that's here on the table. You see this, you see the glass here. Now, as you can see, this bottle is half empty, isn't it? Now, let me show you how people are. 
You know, when people are looking for somebody to be compatible with in their life, they're trying to look for somebody who brings as much to the table as they bring. Don't look for somebody who can bring as much to the table as you can bring. You're missing out. You don't need somebody who has equal content as you. You have to look for somebody who has the capacity that is compatible with you. See, both of these have the same capacity, but they don't have the same content. You notice that? And you know where people get frustrated? Where when you have a whole lot in you, you have a whole lot in you, and you're pouring yourself into somebody that's about a fourth of an ounce, and you got somebody who can't even handle you. Look how much you got in here now. And, and, and you're pouring yourself into somebody who has little capacity for you. Am I talking to anybody? And, and you know how you get frustrated with people because they don't know how to handle you? Because they can't take you? Have you ever seen a person that's really de- hard to deal with and you're like, I can't take her? <laughs> Not today. I can't take her today. You're like a capful. You're like a capful. And they got a whole lot of other stuff to, to pour out. And you can't even take it. It's like, can you put a lid on it? I can't take you today. I can't take you today. You have to look for somebody who has not equal content, but equal capacity. You're looking for somebody who has the ability so that when you pour into them, that they don't, they don't flood you but they have the capacity. So when, you, when you're bringing somebody, you don't marry somebody for what they have. They don't have to have anything, but you would want them to have the capacity to have something. Because if you don't have any capacity, even if it comes, you don't have anywhere to put it. So you need somebody who has capacity, not content, but capacity. Somebody who has the ability to grow. Somebody who's eager to learn. Somebody who wants an opportunity. They don't have to have made it already. And there are people that are passing out up good people that have capacity. They've got potential. It's capacity. It's capacity. And when you look at people who are like this, you know they don't have your capacity. They can't handle you. They can't handle the dream that's in you. Your thoughts, your ideas, they can't even handle you be talking. They can't let me understand what you're talking about. And you need people who have the capacity to be able to receive what you need to pour into them. They don't have to be bringing the same thing to the table as you bring into the table, but they've got to have the capacity to be able to grow with you, the capacity to be able to dream with you, the capacity to be able to encourage you. So it's about capacity, not content. Stop looking for the content of what a person already has. Look for the capacity. And when you really find people with capacity, you can't really measure how much they can grow because you'll grow for the rest of your life as long as you continue to be a lifelong learner. So it's just about that. And, and one of the things that you notice, you know, on every bottle of water, it has an expiration date. But let me inform you of this. The expiration date is never about the water. It's only about the bottle. 
If you see an expiration date on a, on a water bottle, it's because it has a, a shelf life, not the water. See, the anointing of God has no shelf life. Spirit has no shelf life. Ideas have no shelf life. It's the containers. It's these old bodies. As you get older, you realize it's got an expiration date on it. And, and, and this is why if you hold it in there too long, it's not that the water goes bad. The container starts going bad. Too much heat hits it and the plastic starts leaching into the water. And then you start tasting the container. It's like getting, when, when you, you want to get God through a person and you're getting too much flesh. When you want the things of the spirit, you want the things of the spirit. You don't want flesh. So you don't want, when you drink water, if your water is tasting like plastic, that's some stuff that causes cancer in that. You don't want that. You don't want it leaching into the water. That's why it has a shelf life. That's what the date is about. So you, you have to be mindful that, that we are limited vessels that are carrying an eternal source in us. Spirit is eternal. Spirit is eternal. So it's interesting. Notice uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 12, the New Living Translation. In the few days of our meaningless lives, who knows how our days can best be spent? Our lives are like a shadow. Who can tell what will happen on this earth after we're gone? Who? Who can tell? Who can tell? You see, we need to answer this purpose question. And let me, let me say this to you, because some people figured out God's purpose for an earlier stage of their life, but you're in another stage now, and you don't know the purpose for this stage. There are times that as you age or fulfill one assignment that God can shift your assignment or your purpose. And you got the earlier one, so you knew exactly what you were supposed to do, but when it shifted... Does that make sense to you? Because you see, in your 20s, you have one purpose, but in your 60s, you have a different. It's a different. Now, I mean, the overarching purpose of life can still remain the same, but how it is expressed can vary differently, vastly different from one stage of your life to another stage of your life. So you have to ask yourself, um, what do you believe? that God wants you to do in and through your life in the next season? What do you believe God wants to do in and through your life in the next season? In the next season. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to be doing? Because, you know, your assignment changes. We, we do retire from certain assignments. You only have an assignment to raise your children for a certain number of years. You can't raise somebody who's 52 years old. <laughs> you know, you have, you, have, you, have a, you have a limited number of years that you can raise folks in, and all that you hadn't gotten into them by a certain time, your assignment will shift. I'm just telling you, it will shift because like, I am talking to you. You're just as grown as I am now, you know. And, so, and, so, and you realize the assignment now has shifted. But when children are dependent on you, the assignment is different. And when they mature and they grow up, your assignment shifts. We've got to be able to discern the shifting of the seasons. Life 
is lived in different stages and it's arrived at, you know, by different steps that we can actually take. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, that the purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, and to have it make a difference that you have lived and lived well. Notice that. The purpose of life is not to be happy. And that's some people's goal. That's like, I just, I, I want to be happy. I deserve to be happy. No, no, no. The purpose of life is to be useful. It is to be honorable, to be compassionate, and to have it make some sense that, that you even lived and that you lived well. Now, let me give you 10 ways to live a more meaningful life. Notice this. Know what's important. Know what's important. Number two, pursue your passion. Pursue your passion. Number three, discover your life's purpose. Number four, be self-aware. Be self-aware. Number five, focus. Focus. Number six, people more than things. People more than things. Number seven, live with compassion. Live with compassion. Eight, find a way to give back. Find a way to give back. You want to have a more meaningful life? Find a way to give back. Number nine, simplify your life. Simplify your life. And number 10, set daily goals. Set daily goals. You bring more meaning to your life when you do that. You bring more meaning to your life. Now, let me give you four questions to ask yourself for a more meaningful life. Ask yourself this question, what do I like to do? 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 Just ask yourself that. Now, nobody else should be able to answer that for you. You you need to be able to ask yourself this. What do I like to do? And here's the second one. What am I good at? What am I good at? What am I good at? What do I like to do? What am I good at? Here's the third question got to have this in order to really have that sense of purpose in your life. What allows me to live out my values? 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 What do I like to do? What am I good at? Good at? What allows me to live out my values? And then this question, what can I give back? What can I give back? What can I give back? Once you ask yourself these four questions, find out where they intersect. Find out where they intersect. And that's your sweet spot. Find out where they intersect. What do I like to do? What am I good at? What allows me to live out my values? And what can I give back? What can I give back? What can I give back? Uh, There's a Japanese term that's called ikigai. Ikigai. I-K-I-G-A-I. Ikigai. Ikigai is is a Japanese concept that when it is loosely translated, it, it actually means a reason for being. Ikigai. A reason for being. A reason for being. And so somebody who is uh, uh, has experienced their ikigai, they, they have 
they, they know what their life's mission is. They might call it life missions. They might cause it, call it their reason for getting up in the morning. Uh, they might cause it their, their raison d'etre, their whole reason for being. But Ikigai is an answer to a few questions that seem to plague most people throughout their life. What should I do with my life? What should I do with my life? And what would make me happier? And isn't there more to this life than this? But when you find Ikigai, Ikigai is really answering those questions. What do I like to do? What am I good at? What allows me to live out my values? And what can I give back? You'll never be fulfilled by just taking stuff in. Fulfillment comes by giving something back. You have to give something back. It has to be your reason for being. Your reason for being. No matter how, how difficult it is, find out your, your ikigai, as the Japanese have it. The thing that really makes them fulfilled. A lot of people don't realize you have to give something back. If somebody has a question, you see the two mics there in the, in the aisle, and we'll, we'll, we'll take one or two questions here um, before our time runs out. When we talk about ikigai and um, how that works in the Japanese culture, it deals with mission, what you love, vocation, what the world needs. It deals with profession, what you get paid for, and it deals with passion, what you're good at. Passion, profession, vocation, mission. Okay. Well, the dot life is hitting me pretty hard. Um, I work at a warehouse, and it's really miserable. This is something I don't want to do for the rest of my life. I do have goals that I did set. Like, I want to be a motivational speaker and a pastor. And um, at my job, I work with this man that works uh, at the machine, and he tells me that he's been working there for 34 years. And he told me that he thought he was too poor to go chase after his dreams. He said he wanted to be a computer science. And he said that this is not life to me, what I'm doing. And it really got to me. And um, I'm just afraid, honestly. I just want an advice from you because this is just overwhelming. So, yeah. yeah. Let me just tell you that wherever people are, wherever you are in life, Understand this principle, little begins the process. Little begins the process. It doesn't matter where you start, and it doesn't even matter where you work. While you're working in the warehouse, start working on your dream. Start working on your dream. Start studying. Start reading books. You can go to the library. You don't even have to buy the book. Go to the library and start reading in the area of your interest and of your dream. Start strategizing. Start writing some different ideas. The first thing that I would really encourage you to do is to get somebody's biography or autobiography. And then you will discover that most people who have made it have made it out of failure and coming out of hard, difficult situations. When you find strong people in the world, I've never met a strong woman or a strong man who had an easy past. It's never easy. Easy never produces strength. 
When you find motivators, you talked about being a motivational speaker. Yeah, I'm in the John Maxwell team. Say that again. I'm in the John Maxwell team. Okay, excellent. Fantastic. Fantastic. So you you you're on the you're on the on on the path. You're on the path. Keep looking at that. Keep developing that. Keep working in that arena because it's what you're working on. I can't tell you how many starving artists and I have to salute them when when they're musicians, when they're spoken word artists. And, and then they're, they're waiting tables. Their gift is not waiting tables. They're just doing this to pay the bills until they can get, get discovered. Uh, 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 you know, actors. And that comes out of it. I mean, you, you've heard Tyler Perry's story. His incredibly inspiring story of, of, of being homeless and sleeping in his car. And what happened for him. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over time. It happened over time, and you're still young. But thank God that you've got the mindset. See, the mindset is your thermostat that is turning you and getting you into position. It's getting you into position as to where you're going. And that's the wonderful thing. Write your vision. Start writing your vision, reading in the area of your vision. And as you go to work each day, it's because you're looking at what's on the inside and not what's on the outside. You're not looking where you are, you're looking where you are going. You're looking at where you're going. That's the power of your motivation. It's the power of your motivation. And I would encourage you uh, to read Viktor Frankl's Frankl's, uh, book on In Search for Meaning. Because while he was in a Jewish concentration camp, he never, ever lost his faith. And, And it was difficult. It was very difficult to see his relatives killed and to be in deplorable kinds of living conditions. But you're on the right track. Keep studying, keep preparing, keep working on the side, even while you've got to go to the warehouse. I used to work in a warehouse too, (laughs) but it's not your destiny. Um, I I call myself an errand runner for Christ because I enjoy helping people. I work at Walmart and um, the other day, uh, I guess for a week now, a gentleman's been sitting out there in the lobby. And I thought he was an undercover um, security guard. And, it, <laughs> and they said, no, nah, I don't think that's what he is. So I went by him the other day, and I saw him, and I said, well, when I get the opportunity, I, I'm going to check him out. And sure enough, he started to get some donuts or something, and you could tell he was hungry. So I slipped him some money. And then when I went back into work, it was like the Holy Spirit said, give him your lunch. I said, huh? He said, give him your lunch. And I thought about you that time when you had your food and you said you shared it. And so I said, well, I'll share it because that's all I got today. (laughs) And and so I asked him. So I asked him, did he want some food? He said, yeah. I said, great. So I gave him some food. And I said, you know, um, my son-in-law, he has a job if you want one. He said, well, I work up the street for $40 a week. And I just looked at him. And um, make a long story short, I said, "Um, I don't have a lot today, but I I got you, baby. I'm going to help you out, just like that. And so he said, "Um, you've been a blessing to me. I said, no, you've been a blessing to me because... God got me on another errand. Yeah. And that's what he does. He know I enjoy it. It's scary sometimes, but it's always exciting. Wow. And last but not least, when I go to sleep, I dream about 
what I'm going to do when I wake up. And sometimes I'm at work and I say, I, see, I feel something coming. And, and I might say, um, I'm seeing a, a man and a baby or something. And then I get home and all of a sudden, my son-in-law said, I'm going to take the baby out today. A man and a baby. It's always something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, I know I'm an wow. errand runner. Wow. And, and I, I can hear him talking to me, and he's always sending me out errands. So. I commend you for doing that. Doesn't it make you feel good when you help people? I love it. I love yes. it. Yes. Yes. Wow. Thank I, you so much for I sharing. I can't wait to go to work and take him something else to eat. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. And let me just tell you, your, living your dream has very, very little to do about what it does for you personally. You get your greatest fulfillment out of serving other people. Last thing, make it quick. Come on. Um, I just want to say uh, back in April of this year, I had the courage to quit my six-figure corporate job. Um, it was no longer fulfilling. Um, wow. Every time I went to work, I would literally cry and uh well i was also in a relationship at the time that i know was very unhealthy that relationship had drew me so far away from god wow and one morning sunday morning i couldn't get out of bed it was like a stronghold and i looked over to my left and it was like i just seen satan and the only thing i can do because i couldn't get out of bed was just cry out to god and hmm. just ask god for my prayer life back my relationship back to take this man out of my life it wasn't just him I mean I con I contributed to it now I'm at a place where I am pursuing my dreams I just finished real estate school I'm working on my master's degree but the thing is the thing about it is that I'm the first generation college student in my family and it's so hard when I I'm so used to being the encourager, and now I need encouragement. And, you know, I have my family saying, well, you should have never quit your job. You need to go back to your job. Hmm. And, but that's not, it's, that's not where I want to be. And, you know, I'm at a place now where I feel like I'm being, you know, stagnant. Like, I don't know, like, what to do or who really to talk to. <laughs> gotcha. It's, it's so great. I, I, let me first commend you for the courage to leave what was making you miserable. That takes incredible, incredible courage. Just think of this. When Peter stepped out of the boat, it took courage to leave a comfortable place. There are other people that are praying for a six-figure income, and you walked away from it. And what that tells you is that money is not everything. And money is not worth your being unhappy and being unfulfilled and having to get up and to go to a place and do something that brings no fulfillment into your life. Now, when Peter stepped on that water, water is unstable. You're going to be unstable for a season. You got out of a boat and you're walking on a water that has storm, but you're walking to Jesus. You're talking to him and he'll lead you and he will guide you. And he'll put other people in your path. He's just saying, come unto me, come unto me. And the thing that makes us nervous, anxious, is when you start looking at the water, the instability of where you are. But you're going to something. You're going to something. And the same faith that got you out of the boat will get you into your dream, get you into your next opportunity. 
that very thing. No, it's, it's really there. It took courage to do that down in your core, out of your heart, because you know you didn't just quit that. God uses dissatisfaction as the precursor for change. He has to make you dissatisfied where you are because you're on your way to something and you'll be able to look back and say, God, thank you for giving me the boldness and the courage to leave what was making me miserable in my life and that I stepped out even though I couldn't see exactly where I was going. All you need is enough light to take the next step. You keep walking in that direction and just knowing the steps of the godly, you're ordered of the Lord and he's got every detail he will open the doors as you keep moving. You keep walking because you're doing something by faith. And because you want it to bring your life into alignment with him, God will cause the rejections of relationships to be his direction. And the peace of God floods your life. Remember, just go back to the process. You praise him in the meantime. Praise brings his presence. The presence brings his protection. The protection brings his peace. The peace unfolds God's purpose. The purpose summons his power. And the power brings the provision. There is new provision that's coming in your life, girl. God had you to get up. And you're coming into a different place of provision in your life. It's going to bless you in a wonderful way. Thank you for your courage. And God's got you on the way. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. Wow. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. That was rich. Wow. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. Well, we didn't get really an opportunity to scratch the surface in, in this session. Next week, I'm going to talk about the 10 ways that God speaks to us uh, to, to reveal and to unveil his will. You know, God doesn't just have one way to deal with us. There are at least 10. And I'm going to share those 10 ways with us uh, next week. And then we're going to have some real dialogue where the rubber meets the road. You know, I've been doing life. This is, I'm, this is not a book. This is life. With real life, with real people, with real issues, with real drama. And reality is intimidating. It, it is, it is uh, I'm just telling you. Uh, reality is, is scarier and sometimes crazier than fiction. And that's why we walk by faith and not by, by sight. We're on a journey and God has us. And he's taken us and he wants us to answer that question because of the seeking, the hunger that is in our hearts. There has to be a lack. There has to be a hunger. God dries up some things on your life to create the hunger so that we seek him. And he's trying to pull us and draw us to him. He's trying to draw us to him because he wants to take us to a place and bring us back to really where we honestly need to be. So thank you for being here tonight. I hope that you got something out of what we were able to share just in this brief time together. But I'm glad that, I'm glad that you were here. And we'll go deeper. We'll go deeper next time. We'll go deeper next time. And we'll learn from some other people. Everybody's standing. Anybody here?